Two questions I have for you this morning. We're going to go back in Romans 8, but we're going to go a little bit, uh, little bit uh, at the first of the, of, the, of the chapter. But I have been asking myself these things all week. And so sometimes when I ask myself these things and I want to know what other people think, I Google it. Anybody else do that but me? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, you find out some things what people are thinking and, and, and here's what I found out. Here's the seven most common comments non-Christians make about Christians. Ready for this? Yeah. Not really. Not really? <laughs> Just give me a minute. Let me get my glasses on. Seven common comments that non-Christians make about Christians. Number one, here's what they say. Christians are against more things than they are for. It just seems to me that Christians are mad at the world and mad at each other. They are so negative that they seem unhappy. I have no desire to be like them and stay upset all the time. Now, come on now. This is just one of the common questions out there. Number two, I would like to develop a friendship with a Christian. I'm really interested in what they believe and how they carry out their beliefs. I wish I could find a Christian that would be willing to spend some time with me. Nice. Three. <laughs> what was that? Okay, I'll send it your way. I would like to learn about the Bible from a Christian. The Bible really fascinates me, but I don't want to go to a stuffy and legalistic church to learn about it. It would be nice if I could find a Christian that would invite me to a Bible study in his home or a place like Starbucks. Number four, I don't see much difference in the way Christians live compared to others. I really can't tell why a Christian believes because, or what a Christian believes, because he doesn't seem much different than any other person that I know. The only exception would be Mormons. They really seem to take their beliefs seriously. Now that hurt. I wish I could learn to be a better husband, wife, dad, mom, etc. from a Christian. My wife is threatening to divorce me. I don't think she mean I think she means it this time. My neighbor is a Christian and he seems to have it all together. I'm going to swallow my pride and go ask him to help me. Number six. Some Christians try to act like they have no problems. Harriet works in my department. She is one of the she is one of those Christians who seem to have a mask on. Yeah. I would respect her more if she didn't put up such an act. I know better. Last one. I wish a Christian would take me over, would take me to his or her church. I really would like to visit a church, but I'm not particularly comfortable going by myself. What is weird is that I'm 32 years old and I've never had a Christian invite me to church in my entire life. Ouch. Isn't that nice? And then he says at the end here, he says, do you see a pattern? Non-Christians want to interact with Christians. They want to see Christians' actions match their beliefs. They want Christians to be real. They want Christians to be real. How many of you, how many of you agree with that? that when, when people you talk to at work or, or in your family, they just want you to be real. They don't want you to act all religious on them. How many of you find out the more religious you act to them, the more they shut you down? Yeah, they just they really don't want to have anything to do with you. Well, let me share with you this piece of joy with you then. This is my last piece of joy that I have for you this morning. Listen to this guy. 
The word Christian is not a registered trademark, so anyone can claim to be a Christian. It is hard to tell who is a real Christian and who is a fake Christian because some of the fake ones claim to be real and many of the real ones make no claims about themselves at all. They are self-labeled Christians who profess to love the people. They obviously don't. And in doing so, they deceive themselves and puzzle everyone else. Well, this guy just kind of puts it on the line. They know that Jesus commanded them to love everyone, but instead of changing how they treat people, they rename whatever they do love. If someone... Let me say that again. They know that Jesus commanded them to love everyone, but instead of changing how they treat people, they just rename whatever they do love. And if they help someone, it is Christian love. If they don't help someone, it is Christian love. If you look even closer, you can see that they are spiritual contortionists. Anybody know what a contortionist is? Who do their Christianity backwards. Instead of using the commandments to measure themselves, they use themselves to measure the commandments. This is the reputation we have online. You guys aren't even believing me, are you? You're going, he made all this up. You'd never guess that they were high-quality Christians if they didn't point to the name tags they printed up for themselves and proudly pinned on their shirts. They claim to be experts, but when they begin to teach, it is clear they are not an expert on what they believe. They call their insecurities faith and their opinions facts. I don't want to... I don't even want to be a part of this group. I don't know about you, but that's the way they look at us. That's the way many people see us. Got to watch a Christian movie this week. Yeah, oh, it was a good one. I could tell it was probably offered to us by a, by a certain denomination. But it was a good movie. It was very poorly made. But generally, most Christian movies are. Until here recently, you see a pretty, pretty wide, you know, you can, be, you can see pretty good ones. But it had a point. It had a, a heterosexual man and a homosexual man debating on whose belief was correct. And so it went on for an hour and a half. The heterosexual man was debating to the homosexual man, this is what the Bible says, but the homosexual man was saying, well, this is what I believe. The movie was called The Right to Believe. And so it was going on and on and on, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and it, was, and it really got down to the nitty-gritty of where the homosexual man told the heterosexual man, I know who you are. He said, I don't know what you mean. He said, I found you in some back newspaper that I, that I looked at back a few years ago. You're divorced. And he said, yes. He wasn't, he wasn't going to tell about this. He said, yes, so. He said, you cheated on your wife and your wife left you. You are an adulterer. And it just so happened that he knew enough of the Bible to where he said he wasn't a believer. He said... I found in Scripture that you're the adulterer and you are bunched in the same Scripture that I am. So how can you sit there and tell me to change my life? When you're bunched into the same crowd that I am. 
He said, if the Bible is true, then why can't you just love me and let God change me? And I thought, isn't that what I've been saying? It took an hour and a half. Hour and a half going back before I about shut it off. I mean, it was so, so poorly made and the actors were bad, but I thought, man, that is exactly what I've been saying, guys. Here's the thing, is you are going to be judged every day. You can't, you can't get away from it. You can't, you're going to be judged every day. But here's the questions that I have for you today. Do you really know who you are? And do you know who you are to God? I began asking myself that question days ago when God was preparing me for this. God said, do you really know who you are? Can you really say you know who you are to me? Then I watched another Christian movie. I've been doing that this week. I watched another one. It was, it was a little bit better made, but it was about this guy that was, used to be a baseball player, and he was a drunk, he was an alcoholic, and he just couldn't figure out you know, how to live life. He just couldn't figure out what God was about. And so somebody told him, if you would live better, if you would understand that you could live better, and this was in a Christian movie, by the way, if you could live better, if you could just show, if you could just take some things out of your life, God would show you His love. God would, in other words, God would love you if you would just, if you would just do right the way you should be. Get off the, they kept saying, get out of the alcohol, quit drinking, quit doing this, quit doing that. Guys, when we do that, and this, yes, this was a Christian film, when we say that to people, when we do that to people, when we begin to, sh to tell them, if you would just live like me, if you would just be a little bit better, then we'll sh turn them away faster than we'll bring them. Yeah, but I've got this person at work that, man, they're a mess. Well, you probably are too in your own little way. Actually, you could probably learn from each other. <laughs> right? So do you, know, do you know who you are? And then, let me ask you this question. Does, do people know who you are? Because here's what it is, is most, most Christians do not know who they are. We automatically think that, and we get this in our mind because we've been taught it for years. I was raised a Nazarene. Most of you know that. Raised in a Nazarene church. And then in a Free Will Baptist church, went to, went to church with several of the... Went, went to church in a Southern Baptist church because that's where the girls were. That was the only reason. But Gina, Gina and I ended up in a Free Will Baptist church. And a lot of things, not saying anything against any of those churches, but a lot of times in churches we preach against grace. And then in other churches like the, like the non-denomination, like what we are, we, we contortion grace into where we don't even know, we don't even understand. We, we, we confuse ourselves. Spin it. Huh? We spin it. We spin it. Yeah. We contortion things out we, and we make things. Listen, guys, we have to know who we are before we can really show people who we are. And so God gives us a word. And it's called the Bible. And that is what we're supposed to get our, our instruction from. But let me tell you, there's so many things out there to get instructions from that they begin to contort the word. Just because somebody is a good author does not mean that he or she got that from the Bible. And so be careful what you read. Be careful what you bring into your house. 
Be careful of the things that you learn from, right? Yeah, but you don't, well, my, you know, this person was such a good, well, it's great as long as that person is, is, is getting their information from the Word of God. So, we're going to go to Romans 8 here. And this is, of course, what we'll finish up on. Somebody told me the other day, last Sunday, you didn't preach but 20 minutes, and I thought I was up here for an hour. So here's, here's how it is, is when I'm done, I am just done. When God quits talking to me, I am done. You guys can get out of here sometimes really fast, and other times you can't. Those of you who are thinking about lunch right now, just keep on thinking about it, because you could be there in 10 minutes. You might not be. It might be 20. Amen. But when God quits talking to me, I'm done. I mean, guys, I am spirit-led up here on this stage. God can speak through this old hillbilly just like he can speak through you, right? But when I'm done, I'm not going to put anything else on it. I'm not putting any ice on it. This is exactly what you get. I'm glad half of you like that. Here's um, Romans 8, and we start at verse 6. Now, this is Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. And he's trying to get this word across to people. Man, there is, even at the beginning of the church, there was so much confusion about what to believe, what not to believe. They were coming out of the Old Testament and they were coming out of the Old Covenant that they just, you know, they thought, well, well God's going to love me for what I do. I've got to, you know, I've got to climb up that ladder of success to God or God's not going to love me. And Paul's, Paul's trying to tell these people, guys, Here's what it really is, is God doesn't love you for what you do. He loves you for what you believe. And when you believe in Him, He loves you and you can't change His love for you. No matter what you do, no matter how, how odd you may live, how ma- no matter, His love doesn't change for you. And that's what He says at the, end of the, at the end of the passage, right? We read that last Sunday. So let's go ahead and read this. He says, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now... I need you to read this with me as it's already been done. Everybody say, it's already been done. It's already been done. You see, you're not waiting for this to happen. What we're getting ready to read has already happened to you if you are born again. You are already, you are already there. Whether you're living like it or not, you are who you are, not because of who you may be here on earth, it's because of who you believe in. You know, who you put your faith in. Now, it's up to you to grow. It's not up to me to make you grow. It's up to you to grow. It's up to you to make the choice. And so Paul is getting ready to tell these people, it's time to grow up. And so I'm getting ready to tell you who you already are. I'm getting ready to tell you who you used to be and and who you are now. Because if you don't understand who you are now, you will never be able to show somebody else who you are. Does that make sense? And he says, oh, go ahead and back up there. Okay, thank you. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How many of you realize you are already spiritually minded? The Spirit of God already resides in you. You are not waiting to be spiritually minded. But if you are operating by the carnal side, which, which what does carnal mean? Flesh. Flesh, right? If you're operating from the carnal side, you will not be able to see the spiritual side, which is already residing on the inside of you by the belief that you already have in you by receiving Jesus Christ. You still with me? This is heavy stuff. Come on, come on. Heavy stuff here, okay, you're still with me. Because the carnal mind is, 
enmity against God. So in other words, carnality to speak, to talk about, to, to think in the flesh is against God. And the Spirit of God, if you're, if you're already born again, lives in you. And so when you're living by the flesh, when you're out there doing those things that are living, living that way, you're actually going against the very spirit that is on the inside of you. How many of you realize the last time that you were ever convicted or condemned by the spirit of God is when you got saved? All right, two of you said yes. Let me ask you again. How many of you realize that when you do things wrong and you know it, it's not the Spirit of God that's telling you. It is your Spirit. Because the Spirit of God resides in you and therefore by your very conscience you know that you're living right or wrong. God's not up there saying, oh, bzz, 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 bzz. did you see what, what Coonrod did? Bzz. If he could strike you with a lightning bolt, he would. Bzz. That's not God. God is not the Godfather. He is the Father God. Amen? Yeah. Write that one down if you have to. He is not up there as, you know, make me an offer you can't refuse. You either act right or I'm going to kill you. That's not God. Boy, somebody just got a big light. He's not? Let's go on. Because the carnal mind is enemy against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Well, we don't need to stop there. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Now, he's talking to a bunch of people just like me and you. So these are not people that are doing everything right. Guaranteed. He's not talking to a bunch of real spiritual people that are sitting there, you know, uh, just, just making everything, making every right decision, doing everything right every day. He's talking to people just like you and me. And he says, but listen, you need to realize today that you are not in the flesh. In other words, God does not see you in the flesh. You are of the Spirit. You see, every time God looks at me and He looks at you, He sees His Son. Amen. So He sees you through the eyes of Christ. If you're born again and you receive Jesus as your Savior, every time God looks at you, and I'm, you know, every time you make a mistake, He still looks at you the same way. Listen, He knows that we go through things. He knows we're human. There's not a one of us in here that just doesn't go through things. It doesn't have doubt sometimes. Is there anybody in here that never has doubt? Anybody? Anybody? Well, I thought Tim raised his hand there for a minute. No. <laughs> Anybody else? We all go through things. Man, there's not one perfect person in here. But he says, realize that you are not in the flesh. In other words, you, you are in the Spirit. The Spirit of God goes with you everywhere you go. You have the opportunity of living in the Spirit all the time, but yet you are human and you will not. Realize you just can't. You can't live in the Spirit all the time. You can't float around all the time like, oh, 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 oh. You'll never see Crusher doing that. 
That's, which is probably good. Amen? But we can't be like that. We can't be like that all the time. We are human beings. So therefore, we, we do things that just, that, man, we just do things in the flesh. Even shaggy. We just do things in the flesh. But he says, you are not, you no longer are a part of that. You are in the Spirit. Let's go ahead and read it. See, because indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. He doesn't belong to God. So when you have the Spirit, when you have the Spirit of Christ, when you have the Spirit of God in you, guess who you belong to? You belong to Him, man. You belong to Him with a capital H. You belong to Him. Yeah, but what if He doesn't want me? Do you realize how much of a mess I am? Do you realize the things I say? Do you realize I gave that person the finger when they were driving down at 96th Street North and they ran through that stoplight one more time? Yes, he still loves you and you still belong to him. I was raised for so long to think that every time I did something wrong, I had to get saved all over again. And I know that I'm not the only one in this room. Me and my wife and Coonrod. We were constantly told that if you do something wrong, if you sin, you have got to get, Jody, you got to get saved all over again, man. You're going to be doing this every stinking day. Every minute of every day. Yeah, but what if there are sins that I don't ask for forgiveness for? You see, that's the greatest thing is that God already forgives you before you even ask. But he does want us to ask. He wants us to, you know, he wants us to realize that we are wrong. And he says, so come to me and, and ask for forgiveness because you, you know, you need to realize, you know what that's called? Repentance. Oh, turning from it and never going back. Is that a new word for some people? <coughs> Repentance. So let's go on. Let's finish up here. <clears throat> And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness, the very word, means right standing. Do you realize that right now, where you sit, no matter how crazy you may be, if you've received Jesus as your Savior, you are in right standing. There were none righteous, no, not one before Christ came. Not one single one. But because of Christ, we, because of who we believe in, are in right standing with God right now. And just because you may mess up does not take you out of right standing with God. If we say that every time we do something wrong, listen, if we say that we do every, every time we do something wrong and it takes us out of right standing with Christ, we belittle what Jesus did for us on the cross. The very act. We make it just like anybody else could do it. When he hung on that cross, we sang about it this morning. When he hung on that cross, he, man, he was up there not for himself. Do you, do you, have you ever read where he sweated blood? In the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you know Why? He was showing his humanity. You know what? He didn't want to do it any more than what you or I would. He didn't want to hang on that cross any more than you would. 
He sweated blood, man. That was the that was the anxiety and that was the stuff that he was going through. And you know, he still went through it because because he knew that you would make that decision to receive him. And I hear that 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 sermon over and over again, if it was just me, he would have still done it. And man, just to, just to say that, just to think that, if it was just me, if I was the only one, he would have done that. He would have still hung on that cross for me. Those of you who are fathers in here, how would you like to see your son up on a cross, being nailed to the cross with thorns pushed through his head? How would you like to be the mother that stood down there and saw and watched her son die on that cross? Would you want to go through that? Man, I know I wouldn't. But he did it for me. He did it for you. And the thing is, he did it for those people that said on that piece of paper, I wish somebody would talk to me. I wish somebody would talk to me because I need I need help. And you know that Christian guy lives right next door. I think I'm going to have to get the guts to go up and talk to him. How do we know who we are? By the Spirit of God that resides on the inside of us. And when we understand that the Spirit of God resides on the inside of us, then instead of that guy sitting, or that, that guy that's two houses down from us that needs our help, and we don't ever hear from him, he doesn't ever come to our house, the Spirit of God tells you, you know what, there's somebody right down the street from you that needs your help. And then at that point, we can either deny to do it or say, man, I'm getting up and I'm going to, you know, even if it embarrasses me, I'm going to go ahead and do it. One person, Shaggy said to me the other day, he said, I go to these, these club meetings and I can't even hardly, you know, it's hard to reach one person in these clubs. I said, yeah, but if you reach that one person, one, that one person, that may be the one that God sent you to. 600 miles. Right? But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh. To live according to the flesh... For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, by, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I think I'm going to stop right there. Do you realize? Do you realize that the Spirit, there's a Spirit of life that lives on the inside of you? And every time we operate out of the flesh, we're actually in in. We are actually, how can I put this? Going against the very life that is on the inside of us. And so therefore it brings confusion. And what Paul is trying to say here over and over again, Paul, Paul runs into these problems all the time. What Paul is trying to say here is you already have the spirit of life that lives on the inside of you. To God, see, you already, you already are alive. 
Stop thinking of yourself as dead. Stop thinking of yourself as somebody who doesn't have authority, who doesn't have power, who doesn't have those things because the power and authority of Christ already lives in you. Amen. Now, if we can get that from our head to our hearts, we will be able to reach anybody that God has called us to. It's sad to say when somebody says on a piece of paper or says online, how come the Christians are not any more devoted to their belief than the Mormons? Why is it that Mormons have beat out the Christians in what they believe? Because they are committed. Guys, we need to be committed to what we believe. Amen? Amen. Man, we need to be so committed to the fact that, you know, what God did for us. Yeah, I know I'm not perfect. Yeah, I know I'm not going to say all the right things. Yeah, I'm not going to do everything right, but I'm still committed to what God has called me to do. And when I'm committed... Hey, when I'm committed, I'm going to learn more and more. I'm going to understand more and more. I'm going to be one of those guys that gets in there and finds the knowledge in the Word of God, not from somebody else, but the knowledge from the Word of God of who I am. So I can show people who I am. Man, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. There is, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. I don't care what it is, what they may seem, what they look like, where you are. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Hallelujah. Do you understand that? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Therefore, no, no matter what you, what you may do or who you may talk to or, you know, talking to somebody the other day, they said, I just don't feel like I know enough. You know, and then he said, I need to let the Spirit of God speak through me because my knowledge, my, my intellect is just not good enough to talk to somebody. There's somebody in here today that you would love to talk to somebody about, about Christ, but you don't think you have the knowledge on the inside of you to do so. Man, I'm speaking over you right now. You let the Spirit of God move in you. You let the Spirit of God speak through you. I told Gina the other day, if I didn't let the Spirit of God speak through me every time I got up here on this stage, there would not be anybody here. Thank you very much. Because when I let, when I let myself take over, I'm not very interesting. Well, thank you for that. But when we let the Spirit of God move on the inside of us, that's when we reach other people. Amen. Stand up with me. Isn't that good? Come on, let's give the Lord a shout this morning. Yeah. Whew, we'll just carry on with that probably next week and finish that up. Man, I am so grateful that God is just working in us and working in each family. Man, I see, I've seen so many things happen in this church. I saw healing in this church this morning. We got a group getting ready to go to Mexico. If you're going to Mexico... Raise your hand and, sh and just look around. Look at all these people going to Mexico. Man, they're going over there. We met with the missionary the other day. We're, we're going over there and we're going to see some things happen. But I pray for each one of these people to just let God move through you. Thing about, thing about those mission trips is that generally, we generally think they're for other people and they generally end up being for us. Well, amen. Yeah.
we got things going on. So, you know, just, man, just get the knowledge, get the, just get the understanding of who you are in Christ. You're not waiting to be that person. You already are. Amen. So don't let anybody ever tell you any different. Amen? You ready to get out of here like we always get out of here? Are you sure you're ready to get out of here like we always get out of here? There you go. Repeat after me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am a brand new creation in Him. Come on, let's put, let's put some big oomph into it this morning. Come on, go, go like this. I have now approached the presence of God. Let's just all be preachers in here this morning. How about that? All right, get, get a little bit out of your chair. Come on, just, just spread out a little bit. Come on, come on, come on. Just right in here. Come on, spread out. Spread out like you love each other. Get close to each other. There you go. There you go. Okay, here we, here we, okay, Kerry's got his rag out. Come on, let's go. Got a bunch of preachers in here this morning. Let's just start all over. Everybody ready for this? No, I mean, are you ready for this? Yeah. Here we go. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am a brand new creation in Him. I have now approached the presence of God with no condemnation of sin. Now I have the mind of Christ. Therefore, what belongs to him? Therefore, what belongs to Let him? me hear it. Now give him a shout. Come on. Come on. 